They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. We're starting off this week with a Friday kickoff. Two teams starting with L. Hopefully we can see Liverpool take on L after bouncing back against Aston Villa in the week on Boxing Day. What do you think? Do you think that Leicester have something in them to be able to overcome Liverpool? Or you think it's just too strong at Anfield? Boy, I, I certainly hope they have at least a bit more than what they showed over the weekend because they were absolutely dreadful. Conceding two goals in the first, what, six, seven minutes of the game when Newcastle, remember, they, they had the momentum, but they weren't able to carry that through the World Cup because obviously there's no games. And for them to just so easily allow Newcastle to regain that momentum, just just absolutely terrible. And after that was, I mentioned that they had only conceded one goal since September when they conceded, I think, six at Spurs. So... I mean, I, I personally don't see any hope for Leicester in this game. But I want to touch on Liverpool this game. Liverpool, this news broke, I think, during the Arsenal game right against West Ham. But they've gone ahead and quickly snatched up Cody Gakpo from PSV for a, a relatively cheaper price than I thought he would go for. And I think there were reports that PSV need some financial help because they're in a bit of a pickle. So most of that is going to go to their operations. This is eerily reminding me of, you know, Luis Diaz even last winter, Fabinho a few summers ago, even Nunes last summer. How big of an impact do you think he'll have? I know he was linked with Arsenal when we signed Anthony and we were had being heavily linked with him prior to him obviously signing for Liverpool. You know, we have we know Luis Diaz is gonna be out till at least March. Diogo Jota is not going to be back till February. How how big of a signing do you think this is going to be for Liverpool season? Because I mean this fills this fills the gap that they were gonna have. Well I mean that's really what I was going to come and ask you about because I'm just interested to see how they're going to use him. Is he meant to come in and just play another role as a depth addition to the squad? Because we know typically he plays on the wing. He can operate as a striker as well. So I'm wondering if Gakpo is going to come in and be maybe this new Mane replacement type or if he's even going to come in and take that striker spot that we've... I know Firmino's been having quite a good season, but kind of slowly diminishing, getting older. So I wonder if he's looking at Gakpo to to play that role. So I'm really interested to see how they use him. Clearly, he's a quality player, but whether or not he can he can really provide that impact that we saw Mane or Salah or even some of the players you mentioned, right? Like a uh, a winter signing like Van Dyke, a winter signing like Fabinho, Luis Diaz. Are we going to see him have that sort of impact? 
tough to say. It depends on if he's going to play a depth role, which I, at this point, think that's kind of the idea behind it. As you mentioned, Luis Diaz being injured till, till March. It just seems like it's something to kind of hold in place for the remainder of the season and then add to competition for future seasons to come. I'd hate to see him come in, though, and just kind of play second fiddle to the rest of the talent that Liverpool has in those areas because I think he's he's a great player and he definitely had a great World Cup. But I wouldn't be so sad because it would be happening to Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, at that price, you know, he's he's had a good World Cup, so his price was expected to be higher. But it's only £37 million guaranteed. And I haven't watched his games too many times, but I've watched his two games against Arsenal this season. I have my doubts. Even even when we were linked with him, I had my doubts. Firstly, mainly because of his his role that he would probably be taking on. You know, left-sided, right-footed winger is, is the last profile of a player that we need. And perhaps maybe even for Liverpool too, because, I mean, even Nunes can play out there, right? And... Uh, Luis Diaz has seemingly cemented that spot. So, and plus, he can play everywhere in the in the front three, but he doesn't work best as the lone striker, right? He needs it needs to be a two striker system, and I don't think Liverpool necessarily will change their system just to incorporate Gakpo. And of course, it's hard to sign a player of any quality to be a, a backup to Salah, but he's young still. I to me, he seems like very similar to Rashford. He's maybe a bit taller, better in the air than Rashford, but he's quick. He has good physicalities. He has a wicked shot in him. But I, I, it worked in the Dutch league. I, I just don't know if that'll work as well as it did for Luis Diaz in, in the Premier League. For, for a player who relies on his physicality to that extent, uh, for Gakpo, I don't know, but he will certainly be a nice addition to this Liverpool side because they they need depth, especially now with, with all the injuries. So he's not going to play this game. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's a good business for Liverpool overall considering the price, situation, and the timing and all those sorts. Yeah, well, let's see. I mean... This is definitely going to be interesting because we always see players of this kind of quality and magnitude. They perform at the World Cup, they get their big move and things don't quite work out. And in other occasions we see, they do work out. Luis Suarez was actually a, a big big name for that. Actually also coming from the Dutch League. He had a great World Cup for Uruguay 2010 and then got his move. To Liverpool, so there you go. It could prove to be another type of signing like that, or we could prove to have another James Rodriguez. Got his move to Real Madrid, tipped to be this big, big baller, didn't work out. So I'm excited to see how it turns out. But let's talk about your side a little bit. Man United traveling to Wolves 
Wolves were able to pick up the window against Everton, which I didn't think they would. Do you think that they can continue this momentum and help bring some more despair to your side? Or do you think that your good form is going to continue? Because you guys have been on our roll as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I watched that game, Wolves-Everton. Talk about the lowest quality of a game that I've watched this season. I, w- I would show you that game. Everton, if you just look at the stats, and it felt that way during the game. Most of the game was played in the Wolverhampton half. But what did they do with the ball, Everton? They did fuck all with that. And Wolverhampton, I mean, they won the game with a 95th minute winner from Ryan Knight Nuri. It was those once a year moments where Traore actually picks out the right person when he goes on the counter. I was not impressed with Wolves nor Everton, and we'll touch on Everton later. I'll be very disappointed if we don't. Dis- We're not going to dispatch them because we just don't. Um, even against Forest, I mean, 3 0 might look okay, but considering City beat them 6 0, Arsenal beat them 5 0, I was very dissatisfied with just the three goals because I felt that we could have and should have scored at least five. So it, I can see the only thing that will come back to haunt us is our our lack of our lack of goals in us but speaking of lack of goals wolves lead that department in the league so i it's very hard for me to imagine wolves getting anything here just the only thing they could probably rely on is the new manager bounce you know but i don't know the set piece they they went to sleep to concede to yeri mina and they scored from a set piece too but if we're not getting a result here so a lot's been made about us playing you know the difficult teams or the, the top half teams prior to the world cup the first three games after the world cup are forest at home wolves away and bournemouth at home these three teams are all you know, situated in the bottom half with the exception of bournemouth who are not in the relegation zone but Forest and Wolves are both either close to or in the relegation zone. We should really be stocking up and boosting our goal difference in these three games because after that, we play City and we play Arsenal. So I'm expecting a win and we, we should be beating them by at least two goals because Wolves don't have much goals in them and Wolves look look devoid of ideas other than the counter. Diego Costa hasn't scored since he came in. Raul Jimenez hasn't been the same since his injury. Podence, he got injured the last game, so I don't know if he's going to play. A lot of things that should go in our favor, with the exception of the new manager being his first home game. Again, that's the second time that's happened to us this season. But, you know, even Pedro Neto's out. They just have no threat. So... I, I, we should be at least keeping a clean sheet and hopefully get at least a draw. But I, ideally, we should be really boosting our goal difference in these in these next two games. This man right now is being very reserved in order to try and prevent the jinx. I know that. I know how you're feeling right now. It's all right. I mean, you can go ahead and expect the win. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, 
unless you're supporting City or maybe Arsenal this season, you can't go into every game feeling comfortable. And even you said it before West Ham, you weren't too confident, right? You were you were you were nervous. So I think it's only natural for a team who's who's in fifth right now for me to feel not not hundred percent confident in in our team that we can get a result because Wolves they're they're in the relegation zone, but you look at their team and their midfield especially is not they shouldn't be in that position, right? And I think you would agree with that as well. So there's no easy games in the Premier League apparently anymore. But Forest was too easy. Wolves, I'm not, I'm not expecting an easy game because Wolves away, we always tend to struggle. So that's that's just how I feel. I I hope we can win by at least two, and I I think we could because Wolves are are just not gonna be that much of a threat, or hopefully not. Yeah, understandable. Let's talk about your rivals a little bit though. City host Everton in a match that. I'm sure we're expecting a, a very convincing thrashing. Uh, yeah, I'll, I would have to say so. Everton, like I mentioned, against uh, Wolves were just... they. I don't know what they're trying to do. They look devoid of ideas. Frank Lampard wants to keep possession of the ball, but we always say it, right? What good is possession without any threat? And that's Everton are the epitome of that. On the other hand, City always possess the ball with possession, or sorry, always possess the ball with purpose. I think that's such a big difference between those two sides. And there's a reason why City are the one of the best teams in the league or the world and Everton. And Frank Lampard, rightfully so, is possibly in danger of, of his position as, as the manager of Everton FC. Well, speaking of Lampard wanting to keep possession, I have news for you. This guy's not keeping the whole up any possession in this match at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who can at City? Not many, or nobody can really, it seems. I, I don't think Calvert-Lewin's going to be back again, so they're going to be missing that focal point. They played with Salomon Rondon. He terminated his contract on a mutual agreement as well. They played with Neil Mope up top. And Mope, he just isn't it. You know, he he's he's struggling to get into the games. You know, at Brighton, he kind of fell out of favor, but before he did, he was he was a guy who was getting into good positions, just just couldn't finish, right? But at Everton, he doesn't even seem to be doing that anymore. Damari Gray was benched last game. Um, but I would assume he starts with his pace, with his trickery, with his, you know, he, he's the one who can pull a rabbit out of the hat for Everton. One of the few, or I should say one of the, maybe only um, in the, in this Liverpool, sorry, not Liverpool, but the, this team from Liverpool. So, yeah, I think maybe I, I overlooked Brentford a little bit prior to the World Cup. I said they have no chance, but Brentford, at least have that the focal point in Ivan Tony, who can who can lead the team very well and get in good positions, score crucial goals, and he did that to get the win. But I, I really don't see that for Everton, and I'm sure you're in agreement with that as well. Yeah, I'm not feeling too confident in Everton here, but that's why we love the surprises. 
and we can never rule out the surprise shock as we have seen prior to this. But how much I'm very excited for, obviously not just because it's my side, is because this Brighton side actually looked very good this season. McAllister, wow, World Cup winner. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Are we looking at a turn of of a football club here? Are we looking at a team that can now consistently start to perform? Maybe kind of similar to, I know Leicester won the league, but similarly to how Leicester were kind of able to turn a corner and become a consistently good team for at least a few seasons. I know this season they're not doing so well. Are we looking at kind of a similar thing for Brighton? Or is this just kind of a good spell like a good run a good season it's it's not a hidden fact that they're a, a very well-run club and we, we see that with the signings that they make uh, you see a lot of the players that they're, they're that are in the starting 11 for them you know, for example Caicedo he was signed with uh, with uh, I guess with a feature in mind but he was signed for what four million pounds Mitoma just came out of nowhere from the Japanese league. Um, Trossard as well from the uh, Belgian league. Ben White, not to mention, he, he's um, now balling for Arsenal. But I think finally they're reaping the the fruits for their efforts and their, their good organization that they've failed to in the prior seasons for whatever reason, whether it be the lack of finishing, the lack of goals, or just pure, you know, being unlucky. But it's it's no surprise to people who've been following the league for, for some time now that Brighton are actually performing well and getting the results here. So it's nice to see a team who's pretty much built themselves up from the bottom. Right? Remember, they were promoted from the championship five seasons ago, if I'm not mistaken. For that, you know, they had... I think they had Chris Hutton in before uh, Graham Potter. And they were getting a lot of heat for sacking Chris Hutton when he had secured survival. And for them to put a big risk in bringing in a, a Graham Potter, a relatively unknown manager at the time, and it's it's paid off massively. And I, I know he's gone and the new manager, Deserby, has come in. And this is what you see now, nowadays. When you have a proper structure at the club, it, it doesn't really matter who you bring in necessarily, as long as they fit the style, the philosophy. Yeah, Brighton are probably a, a big, a good model for a lot of the, the smaller teams that are looking to reach the higher levels. And they're ahead of Chelsea right now. That's that's no that's no small feat. I know we're we're still only not even halfway done with the season. A player that you mentioned I want to touch on, though, Ben White. Now playing for us, obviously. Wow, what a player. I mean, got his got his England World Cup call-up. I know he didn't feature and had to go back for personal reasons. Very, very unfortunate. We and the world did not get to truly see his quality. But, hey, I won't complain. Man got the rest. Man, come, man came back and man looks very sharp. Another fantastic game against West Ham. And 
I'm going to be looking out for him in this one against his old club. I think he has the quality. He clearly has the mentality that was a big questioning factor for him. So, big player I want to call out. Wow, Ben White, my player to look out for this one. Yeah, and you remember, we both had our doubts as him at, at in the right-back position. And I, I don't think he's still the the best or even the perfect right-back. But he's, in a very short time, in, in the space of half a season, I think he's really grown into that position. I think his timing of the overlaps, working with the side. I mean, I guess consistency helps too, right? He's always playing with Saka down the right-hand side. And... That 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 always, that always helps, but I think his his game as a fullback has improved, and that's down to his his I would say football IQ. I don't know if that's the best word, but he seems to be picking up the game fast. He's I think one of the scouting reports that he's he's a very intelligent boy. You know when when he was uh, being signed to Arsenal, so. Yeah, he's he's really come on as as the right back. He was only supposed to be a deputy right back, if you remember, but he's really cemented that position. So credit to him, uh, one big boost for Arsenal, and at the same time, a, a big blow for Caicedo or for Brighton is that Caicedo is going to be missing out this game through a suspension. He picked up his fifth yellow card against Southampton. Now. I don't think he really needed to. They were already 3-1 up, and he was just trying to stop a counter at the in the, in the dying minutes of the game. But whatever. Arsenal are going to be having a boost in that key midfielder for Brighton are going to be missing out. So I'm going to be watching this game not only because this is you know, this is the primetime matchup, the, the 5.30 kickoff, but because I expect it to be a very good game with two good sides, with with their own philosophies and I'll I'll be interested to see how they match up against each other. I still think Arsenal nick it though. Yeah, I hope you're not trying to reverse jinx again, but I know you are. No, I mean at but this I'm point going... no, I mean at this point what's it, it just hasn't worked. You know, it's just I'm not I'm not necessarily saying this to, to jinx it, but at this point it's it would be foolish to go against Arsenal this season from what they've shown this season so far. Yeah, we're working very well. And let's just keep it up. Keep the heads in it. Keep the mentality up and we'll have to go for another win. A team that is not grabbing up so many wins like us. <laughs> Tottenham are taking on Aston Villa on New Year's Day. Now, I feel this one is going to be actually very interesting. A lot more interesting than we think. I don't think Tottenham are going to get the three points, actually. I feel like they might not either. But the thing is, it's at home, though. It's at Tottenham. Villa, notoriously terrible against Tottenham. The, the last win in, I think, over 10 years was in the, I think it was the last game of the 2020-2021 season when everything had pretty much been wrapped up. 
And other than that, they haven't beaten Tottenham since I think 2015, maybe. I remember um, Benteke scoring that goal. So, uh, but it's it's a whole different manager for Aston Villa, right? Aston Villa, I was very disappointed with them against Liverpool. You know, their defense just going to sleep for, especially the first goal. I mean, this is why I I can't have Tyrone Mings in my team. He just he just isn't it. He's not the leader that many people somehow seem to think he is. He's just, he's not good enough. And they're going to be under some pressure, right? Tottenham at home are going to be more on the ball. But with the way Tottenham Minks has been defending, I just, one of those crosses is going to get converted. And at that point, it's going to be very hard for Villa to come back because Tottenham... I, I I just don't have much faith in Villa because of what I've seen against Liverpool. But at the same time, Tottenham weren't convincing against Brentford either. Right. And that's where it comes down to for me. I feel like Villa, I mean, the scoreline wouldn't really suggest it, but I'm not saying that they were like fully in the Liverpool game, but I felt like they put up a decent fight. And if we can see that same type of fight against a team like Tottenham who are, I guess, kind of in a mental a mental state right now, coming off a draw against Brentford, they're not really clicking at the moment. It could prove a bit more difficult for Tottenham to withstand that pressure than it would be for Liverpool as they were able to withstand it and peel away. So those are the things I'm looking out for. I'm really looking out for if Tottenham have the resilience to be able to match the pressure and if they're going to keep that mooning mentality, which I know you kind of tend to question. I know, I know not really from Kante himself, but I guess you're questioning Kante's ability to portray that onto the players and the team. No, I mean, I, I mean, they've done well so far, but we just know they could be so much better. And I just, it just seems like they don't want to go and and win enough. I remember, I think it was against West Ham early on in the season. It was one one in, in in late in the second half, but it looked like they were trying to waste time. And I know West Ham are, are supposed to be a decent side. But, I mean, away from home, if you're Tottenham, you, your aim is to at least qualify for the Champions League. You can't be settling for a draw against against West, against West any team, right? Uh, maybe with the exception of the top teams. But I just, yeah, I, I question that side a little bit, the intensity of of the players. You know, they... Like you said, whether they can match up Villas, because Villa had that moment, that period in, in the Liverpool game where they where they were really I wouldn't say dominating, but they were they were pushing. But I, I think they could have pushed a little bit harder. And I think Una Emery would look at that and and maybe regret that he didn't possibly make the right substitutions at the right time because had they had they scored in that moment where they were really pushing, 
I don't know if they go on to win the game, but we, we don't know what happens, right? So, and another big factor, I don't know if Hugo Lloris is going to be back for this game. I, I, I don't even know why he didn't play against Brentford. I mean, he's a keeper, for, for God's sake. You're not running around 10 miles per game. You're, you're, just, you're just standing there in warm weather in Qatar. You're just w- making saves. I, I, even Varane played, who played every game I think except for the first game right so why 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 is Loris not playing when he's uh, when he's just a keeper so and Villa like I mentioned in the review they were denied by Allison a lot of the times and Fraser Foster is there's no denying in in the dip in quality from not just from Loris but also from from Allison so yeah, if Villa can capitalize on those moments that they will undoubtedly create, that we, they'll be pushing for a goal, maybe they could they could get a result here. We sure hope so. But finally, moving on to a match that, based on past records, is definitely swinging towards one direction. And that match is a Chelsea win against Nottingham Forest. It's almost like if you don't get at least three against Nottingham Forest, you're embarrassing. Or in your case, you said four. (laughs) So, I mean, are we going to be kind of reviewing and judging Chelsea based on how much goal difference they can rack up? Or are we just being way too harsh on Nottingham Forest and maybe they could pull something like what they did against Liverpool? Well, yeah, I think... If this was at Stamford Bridge, I would have been looking out for Chelsea to score at least three, four, five. Because, you know, if you remember against Bournemouth, they went 2-0 up so quick. I expected them to really dispatch Bournemouth with the way the game was going. But this game is being played at the city ground. And Forest do tend to put up a fight at their home. It's it's away from home that they struggle. So, like you said, famously, they beat Liverpool by a single goal. And I'm under no illusion that this is going to be an easy game for Chelsea, just like it was for us at home. Yeah, I really don't see much in it from a Nottingham Forest perspective. And I think Chelsea... Coming off the back of that win, I feel like some of their players are really kind of starting to come into their own, gain some form. I know a lot of their players from the past were very young. Somebody like Kaya Havertz, somebody like Christian Pulisic. So we don't really truly know the extent or the potential that these players are going to come with. We've kind of just been judging them based on prior performances. But players like these could really come up crucial, especially towards these latter stages of the season. Especially, again, after our World Cup. Because I think that this World Cup is going to change a lot of young players' perspectives. And we're going to see the real the real ones come out and, and shine. Yeah, and Chelsea have a lot of young players in their squad. But could they be lacking a leader, a focal point? Maybe. I mean, Thiago Silva is there. But 
same it's problem. more on the attacking sense though where they lack that focal point right and the same problem with us they just don't have a consistent goal scorer and Aubameyang is is not a Grand Potter signing right nor is he that focal point to really galvanize your team perhaps maybe uh, like like you would see with a, a bit more traditional uh, line leading strikers you know those veterans so Chelsea are going to need to strengthen. I don't know how much money they have. You know, they're being linked with a lot of players like Enzo Fernandez. They signed uh, another Fofana from, I, I think he's from the Belgian league. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but he's not going to, he's another young player. So yeah, but this game, I would expect Chelsea to beat Forest, but maybe not too comfortable like it was for us on Tuesday. You guys let us know who you think is going to win that match. Or I should say, how many goals you think Chelsea are going to win by. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that will be it for today's episode. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate your support. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple Music, Spotify, hit the subscribe button. Make sure to download the episode and share it with a friend. One of your friends that like football, put it in our football group chat. And don't forget to turn on those notifications so you guys don't miss any episodes and you stay up to date. And as well, the link to our Facebook page is in the description and the bio. So go get clicking, join our discussion, like our page, and share our page. Let's get some good football discussion going. And let's get the chat on. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in as always. And peace out.